Blood of the Summoned. Written, produced, and performed by Philip D. Adams. Chapter 29. Armour of Faith. Edwin and Kit had been riding close to two hours in the pitch dark. Every so often they would come to a clearing and Edwin would gaze up at the fiery star and wonder what it was and what it meant. Somehow Kit seemed not to notice. As they approached one such clearing, Edwin heard a whistle that had the distinct sound of a person trying to imitate a bird call. Kit promptly slowed his mount to a stop and looked around, and Edwin did likewise. Out of the bushes came two scruffy-looking men. One was a wiry chap with a black beard and a strange grayed-over left eye. The other was a tall, heavy-set brute with tangled red hair and a beard to match. Kit introduced them as Dean and Rourke. These are the blokes I told you about. Edwin gave each a perfunctory hello, to which both men merely nodded. These two did not look like much to Edwin, but he supposed they would have to do. Since neither had a horse and there was still some distance to go, they doubled up, with Dean riding behind Edwin and Rourke behind Kit. Nobody spoke for the rest of the journey, and though Edwin found that slightly unsettling, he was also grateful for it. They reached the Etherley Road, and after a few miles turned off the road at Kit's instruction and went down a footpath through the woods. After a few hundred feet, Kit stopped and they dismounted and tethered their horses. The house is just around the bend there. We'll go on foot round back where we can get a good look. With any luck, we'll have gotten here ahead of Lord Drake and we'll see him coming. What do you mean with any luck? I mean he didn't seem in any rush to get here, but he was getting ready to go. It's good we set off when we did. If we had waited until dawn, we'd surely be too late. Edwin slung his bow and quiver across his back and followed Kit and his companions along the path. Eventually they had positioned themselves at the edge of the woods within sight of the tiny farmhouse. From there they also had a clear view of the road. With several hours yet to go before dawn, the four of them hunkered down in the heavy brush and waited. Staring at the house before him, Edwin could not help thinking how close he now was to Molly, if indeed all that had been told him was true. Ordinarily he would be champing at the bit to rush inside, take her in his arms and ride away with her. Having been told about the bear of a man she was living with, however, Edwin felt content to forestall that discovery as long as possible, as the thought of finding her at bend with another man was something he was trying mightily not to contemplate, lest he lose heart at precisely the wrong moment. As the time dragged on, a touch of boredom set in, and Edwin found himself trying to converse with his companions. I was beginning to wonder if you were ever going to find him. Wolfric, I mean. Who's Wolfric? He means Lord Drake. I guess he wasn't very easy to find then. That's why Lord Rodegus sent me. Why do you call him Lord Drake? I don't know. That's what he's called, I reckon. Why do you want him dead? Rourke and Dean exchanged knowing looks heavy with dread. I don't want to tell you, and you don't want to know. We just do is all. Fine. He thought he heard some rustling behind him and turned his head to one side to listen. Hearing nothing more, he shrugged and settled back. The others looked about at one another but did not speak. After a moment, Dean shifted his weight a bit closer to Edwin. That's a fine-looking sword you got there. Mind if I have a look? Edwin was not keen on the idea of handing his sword to anyone, least of all this ruffian. What for? I just want to look. Edwin glanced over at Kit. It's all right. Edwin unsheathed the weapon and handed it to Dean. Oh, my. This is nice. This is very nice. Where'd you get this? Off a dead soldier. Did you now? I'll have it back now, please. 
Edwin was getting a little agitated, not least because he could swear he heard rustling in the woods behind him again. What's your rush, friend? I'm not done looking at it. I say you are, now give it back. Quick as a wink, Dean turned the sword in his hand and pointed it menacingly at Edwin's chest. And I say I'm not done with it. Edwin lurched backward into Kit, who suddenly produced a blade of his own and held it to Edwin's throat. Don't say a fucking word, boy. You're just all nice and still, yeah? Slowly, Kit got to his feet and pulled Edwin up with him. What the hell is going on? What are you doing? I thought you... Didn't Lord Waldegar... Sorry, kid. I got a new master now, and he's got plans for you. At that moment, Drakovic emerged from the woods behind them, still wearing the same lordly garb as when he had fled Hamsterly, only now it was soiled and threadbare. With him were five more large men from the forest camp. Two of them were carrying crudely made knives, the other three had clubs. Each one looked scruffier and more malevolent than the next. Ah, splendid! Well done, my friends. Well done. Hello, son. Edwin could not believe his eyes. He had been lured into a trap by the very one he was trying to ambush. Go to hell, you filthy animal. Keep him here. I'll be back shortly. Don't worry, son. I'll have us all back at Hamsterley, safe and sound. You'll see. With that, Drakovic strode off toward the house with his five thugs. No! Molly! Molly! Rourke's fist connected hard with Edwin's jaw, stifling his warning cries and dropping him to his knees. The shouting outside was unmistakable. Someone had called Molly's name. Tor was sure of it. Molly heard it too and sat up, shaken. Across the room, Zell and Myrna were still sound asleep. Tor grabbed his breeches and pulled them on, then jumped up, grabbed his hammer, and started for the door. Be careful, Tor. Tor turned around and nodded, then gave a palms-down hush gesture and exited. Molly pulled her blanket up around her chin and pressed herself into the corner. She could hear Tor calling outside. Who's out there? Show yourself! Molly waited, then heard Tor again, a little farther away. Who's out? Ah! All went quiet and Molly sat, petrified. What had happened, she could not tell. Though she listened hard for Tor's voice, she heard nothing. With a crash, the door slammed open and three burly men burst in. Molly screamed, and Zell and Myrna bolted upright in their bed. What's all this? shouted Zell. What's all this? <coughs> the butt end of a club caught Zell squarely in the chops, and he fell back against the wall. Zellwyn! Then all three were grabbed roughly by the men and dragged out of the house, where Drakovic, unable to enter the home uninvited, stood waiting along with the other two men. As she was ushered past, Myrna got a good look at Drakovic in the moonlight. You! She hissed bitterly as a look of recognition came over both their faces. Well, well, I thought this place looked familiar. He stopped the man escorting Zell, grabbed Zell by the chin, and pushed his face up into the moonlight. Zell's mouth was bloody, but his face was the same. Yes, quite so, quite so. I believe I owe you a sound thrashing, old man. Zell spit blood into Drakovic's face. Drakovic only smiled as he wiped it off, tasting the blood from his fingers. Have at him, gents. The three men who were not holding Myrna and Molly surrounded Zell. The two women watched, screaming and sobbing, as one of the men held Zell by the arms from behind, while the other two took turns punching him in the face and belly. When the last of his resistance was beaten out of him, they took their clubs and pummeled poor Zell into a bloody mess. After a while, they were beating a dead man. No! My Zell! My poor Zell!
As the screams coming from the house grew louder, Edwin knew without a doubt that it was Molly. He had to do something, even if it meant forfeiting his own life. Unfortunately, Kit's blade was at his throat, and Dean was pointing the sword right at his heart, so his own predicament was scarcely better. The commotion had drawn the attention of his captors, however, and after a moment he could feel Kit's grip relaxing just a bit. In a single fluid motion, Edwin raised his arms over his head, let his body go limp, and slid straight down through Kid's arms to his feet without getting cut. Then, completing the move he'd learned from Yoon, Edwin rolled backward and kicked his foot up hard behind him. He caught Kit right in the face and sent him sprawling to the ground before either of the two men could react. Then, quick as a fox, Edwin rolled sideways through the brambles and into a gully where he was momentarily lost from sight. Right, you little bugger! Dean spat as he brandished the sword and stomped through the bramble where Edwin had disappeared. Let's put an end to this right quick! Don't kill him! Kit shouted, spitting blood. Lord Drake wants him alive! He'll live. I wish he hadn't, though, you hear me, boy? Drakovic's men didn't waste much time on Myrna. A brutal slash to the throat and it was over. Now, Molly was alone, wearing not but a thin nightgown, held fast by a putrid-smelling wood rat nearly the size of Tor, with Drakovic standing dead in front of her. All she could do was sob. Once again, it's just you and me, my sweet. Drakovic leered as he approached. Nowhere for you to run. No Norse gods jumping out of the woods to save you this time. Just you and me. And these fine blokes. Drakovic pressed himself against Molly's petite frame and grabbed her head in both hands as she trembled and wept. I should have done this from the first. He stared into Molly's eyes, holding her so she could not look away, and locked his eyes down on hers. The face of the man she once knew as Master Wolfric grew in Molly's sight until his eyes were all that she could see. Molly let out a deep, guttural groan of despair as she felt herself falling into his eyes and all went black. But then Molly suddenly felt strangely aware of a presence before her. It started as a tiny speck of light, then grew into a glowing ball. Her fear fell away like chains abruptly unlocked. She longed to rush toward the glow, to leave the bitter darkness of the world behind her, but she didn't need to, as the ball seemed to grow all around her, bathing her in light and beauty. She felt warm tears of joy gush from her eyes, then sensed the touch of a tender hand wiping them dry. In her ears, she heard a voice that was both as soft as a baby's coo and as loud as thunder. It was the most beautiful voice she had ever heard, the voice of her Lord and Saviour. Well done, good and faithful servant. Your sins are forgiven. Go now. When she looked again, she saw the face of Wolfric, now contorted in agony. A grunt, nay, a squeal, seemed to be trapped in his throat, trying in vain to force its way past his teeth, but he was rendered mute. In his eyes, Molly saw only terror and torment. He was trying to look away, but was unable. He seemed to be pleading with her to release him, but she would not. She understood the power she now held over Drakovic, and she intended to use it. You will not harm me, Molly declared, prompting one of the other men to take a cautious step closer. Molly ignored him. You will not harm me, and you will not plague this land ever again. Drakovic's whole body tensed and trembled. His face twisted and reddened. His teeth clenched until it seemed his head would explode. And still, no sound escaped his lips. She felt the man behind her release his grip, but she did not waver. Get out, you devil! Get out now! In the 
the name of the Lord God, I command you. Leave this place and never come back. Go! With that, Drakovic immediately fell to his knees and let loose a blood-chilling howl. Scrambling to his feet, Drakovic turned in the opposite direction and fled until he was well out of sight, screaming holy terror the whole way. Edwin fumbled around on the ground until he found a rock about the size of his head. Then rolling over onto his backside, he held the rock over his head with both hands. A moment later, he saw Dean's feet approaching until they nearly straddled his. He looked up and saw Dean's eyes looking this way and that. Finally, Dean noticed Edwin on the ground in front of him. Before Dean could flinch, Edwin hurled the rock straight at him. It hit Dean square in the face with a loud thud. Dean tumbled backward and hit the ground hard, dropping the sword. A step behind him was Rourke, who was taken just as much by surprise as Dean was. His hesitation was all Edwin needed to lunge for the sword on the ground before him. Rourke lunged as well, but was a half second too late. Edwin stuck the blade through Rourke's gut and out his back. With a grunt and a gurgle, Rourke dropped to his knees. It took two good yanks for Edwin to pull the sword out of Rourke and send him flopping face first to the ground. Kit had heard but not seen the melee. I said don't kill him! Edwin leapt out of the brush and stood face to face with Kit. He didn't. Then, with a single furious swipe of his sword, Edwin took Kit's head clean off like it was not but a head of cabbage. It spun in the air and dropped to the ground. A fountain of blood spewed from Kit's neck and his headless body dropped to the ground like a sack of dirt. Suddenly, Edwin heard another scream coming from beyond the house, only this one was not Molly's. It sounded deep and throaty, like a man's, and it cut loud and long through the night air before diminishing in the distance. Edwin rushed to the house. On the way, he found the bear of a man lying on the ground, his blood spilling out of a fierce wound in his midsection, barely still alive. He recognized the man at once. Tor! My God, Tor! It's me! Edwin! Ed Edwin? Yes, it's Edwin! But it's not been a year yet. Edwin didn't know what that meant, but he saw the state Tor was in and knew he would not make it. She loves you, Edwin. She always... Tor stopped short, let out a long exhale, then lay motionless. Another scream jerked Edwin away. This time he could tell it was Molly, and he sprinted for the house. Edwin was met by one of Drakovic's brutes, swinging a club right for his head and missing by inches. Edwin ducked and countered with a slash to the man's side, which bit deeply. The man howled and fell to one knee. Edwin's sword pierced the man's neck, and he fell the rest of the way to the ground. Edwin dashed to the front of the house. He found Molly vainly fighting off the other four men who were attempting to hold her down. They all turned at once with a start. Edwin saw that they had dropped their weapons in order to gang up on Molly. He gave a shout and charged. The men jumped back in panic. Molly scampered backwards against the house. Edwin swung wildly, missing each of the men in turn as they dipped and dodged to avoid his sword. Before long, they had him surrounded and were reaching for their weapons once again. Edwin scanned their faces and saw that the panic was gone and in its place was bloodlust. He turned and saw Molly cowering on the ground, her back against the house. Her face lit up at the recognition of him, but the fear never left her eyes. Seeing his beautiful Molly again sent a thrill through Edwin's extremities and made his heart leap even as it calmed his mind. 
He stared down at her, then quickly turned his attention back to the men all around him. They were eyeing Edwin's sword and waiting for him to make his move. Edwin took in a deep breath, then slowly let it out. His nerves were solid steel now as he recalled his sparring sessions with Yoon and Roddy. He wasn't very good then. He'd have to be better now. Slowly, he spun around in place, taking a measure of each of his assailants who circled around him as he moved. Four men, two with clubs, two with knives, all with blood in their eyes. Edwin stared down the brute crouching opposite him, brandishing a blade. He was a scraggly, older fellow with bulging eyes and very few teeth. The man was almost smiling, egging Edwin on. Edwin took a sharp step toward him and he stepped sharply back. Then, quick as a flash, Edwin spun around and attacked the man behind him. He slashed at the man's outstretched club in quick, hard strokes, left to right, left to right, backing the man up until he'd nearly hewn the club in half. Off balance, the man took a swing at Edwin's head and missed. Edwin slashed again and caught him across the cheek, opening a gaping wound. The man howled and stumbled backward. Edwin finished him with another slash to his gut. He heard Molly scream just as his back exploded in pain. Another club had slammed into him from behind, sending Edwin lurching forward. He fell on top of the man he had just slain. He quickly pushed off and spun back around just as another swing of the club caught his shoulder. It was a glancing blow and Edwin quickly regained his balance. A backhanded swipe came at his head. Edwin ducked and thrust his sword into the fighter's back. The force of the thrust propelled the man forward and Edwin stepped aside and let the brute drop to the ground. With the dark night yielding to faint grey of morning, the last two thugs faced off against Edwin, their makeshift knives against his fine sword. One was short and stocky and not much older than Edwin. The other was taller and leaner, with long stringy grey hair, leathery skin and slits for eyes. Breathing hard, Edwin held his sword out with both hands, circling lithely so as to keep the shorter one between him and the taller one, preventing them both from attacking at once. No matter which way they moved, Edwin moved with him. There's nothing left for you here. Your master is gone and your friends are dead. Edwin expected a threatening retort, but oddly none came. The lust for blood in their eyes was now gone, and in its place were fear and doubt. Edwin could see it. He moved himself in front of Molly and stood his ground. Leave! Leave now or die where you stand! They didn't move, only stared blankly back at Edwin. Once again, Edwin charged forward with a savage roar, only this time his sword did not find its mark, for both men had turned tail and were running away as fast as they could. Edwin gave chase until he reached the road, then he stopped and watched them flee down the road and out of sight. Still brandishing his weapon, Edwin walked slowly back toward the house, turning in all directions to make sure there were no others to threaten him. Seeing none, he lowered his sword and turned toward the house where he saw Molly had gotten to her feet. Hardly able to believe his eyes, he stepped slowly toward her and she likewise stepped toward him. He broke into a run about halfway there, tossed his sword at her feet and scooped her up, lifting her high off the ground and whirling her around joyfully in his arms. never gave up on you, Molly. Never!
He set her down gently back onto her feet and held her at arm's length. Let me look at you. Let me look at you. Oh, Molly, you're so beautiful. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He pulled her into him once again, and they lost themselves in a long, deep, passionate kiss 